you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. NFL Now is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. We're going to Germany for the latest on the Seahawks and the Buccaneers. We're going to Dallas for the possibility of Odell Beckham Jr. wearing a star on the side of his helmet. Plus, would-be Hall of Famer Torrey Holt joins us. All of that coming up in the next hour here of NFL Now on NFL Network. We're in our newsroom, as always, in Los Angeles. I'm Andrew Siciliano, and this is Josh Allen. Late in the game, Sunday, the Bills lost to the Jets. Hurt his elbow. Bryce Huff off the edge. Hit him on the right arm. Josh Allen's not going to practice today. And his status for Sunday, Bills-Vikings, a would-be Super Bowl preview, is very much up in the air. Uh, He's day-to-day. And the next question will be, is he going to play? And the answer is, we'll see. Um, so based on the medical report that, that we have, uh, Josh is day-to-day. What can you tell us about the medical report that you got? I'm not going to get in the medical report. Um, should have said that to begin with. I'm not answering any more questions about Josh, uh, his status, medical report. I'm not a doctor. Is that based on how much pain he can deal with and, and how he can execute throws or whatever? He's day to day. We'll see. Sure, we will see. That. Just will one, g- give me, give me one sec. Let me answer his question fully, please. Uh, we will see how he does. We use common sense, and obviously, we factor a lot of things into it. The medical report being one of them, and and our doctor's wisdom and knowledge. Has Josh tried to or even attempted to throw football at all since since Sunday? Josh is day to day. I appreciate that, Josh. Good try, um, but that's candy right there, Josh. That's candy. Kind of reminiscent. The Rappaport, Mike Arafola, Bill Belichick, a couple of weeks ago when we're trying to figure out Mac Jones and his ankle. Although we had reporting that there was really no chance Mac Jones was going to play. This one's kind of very much up in the air. Ian, what else can we add? It is up in the air because so much of it, Andrew, depends on how well Josh Allen responds to treatment today and tomorrow and Friday, whether or not he's able to get on the field, whether or not he can hold a football and throw a football. We saw him do it at the end of the game, actually, through a beautiful deep downfield pass late, late in the game after the injury. But how he came back this week, obviously different from something that happened right in the heat of the moment. My understanding, Mike, it is a UCL sprain, an elbow sprain for Josh Allen, something he's actually dealt with before, dealt with it early, early on in his career, missed several games. We do not know if this is as serious as that one. We just know, uh, as Coach Sean McDermott mentioned, that he is day-to-day, and it's really not about pain. It's not like, can he deal with it? It's simply, how functional can he be? How well can he actually hold a football? That would determine whether or not he's able to get out on the field on Sunday. Well, Dr. Sean McDermott did not uh, address it, uh, saying he is not a doctor, actually. Uh, But there's also nerve issues, potentially, as far as can he grip the football. 
in that regard. So, um, yeah, I, it's it's something that they're going to have to watch throughout the week and see what he can do as we get closer to game time. I know Allen has got this warrior mentality and telling his teammates that, you know, yeah, I should be able to be okay. I'm going to power my way through this thing. Well, it's not just a pain tolerance thing, Ian, as you're talking about. It's a if the nerves are affected and, and, and the UCL ligament is affected and he can't grip that football and really let it rip. I know you talked about that throw down the field to end the game. Well, there was a throw in between that one and the strip sack, and it was one that kind of died when he was looking for his receiver on the right side of the field there. So, um, you know, there, there's a little bit of both to take out of that game. Like, yeah, he ripped it down the field, but then there was also a throw that was affected. So we'll see how it gets. Uh, it is for Allen as we get closer to game time. I think, you know, questionable right now is, is a fair way to put it. Yeah, which means if, if you're looking ahead to the injury report on Friday, 50-50 chance, I, I mean, I'm willing to bet he's going to be questionable here. This is just, you know, purely speculation, but if he doesn't practice, then obviously he wouldn't be. Uh, that deep throw to end the game, uh, 70 yards downfield, not, not just a flick, uh, 70 yards, which in the next-gen stats era, powered by AWS, of course, that's the longest throw that's ever been recorded, including the P.J. Walker one two weeks ago. So keep that in mind. Really? The guy's still, yep. The guy still has a, uh, wow. a, a cannon. TJ Watt, Mike, Steelers Saints this week. We haven't seen TJ since week one. If you read the tea leaves, it certainly sounds like we're going to see him this Sunday. I'm still thinking about that Josh Allen throw. 70 That's yards. Incredible. Like 69.8 yards ever like that. that they've recorded? Well, really? in the last six years in the next-gen right, stat Right, since they've era. been doing this. Right, yeah. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. we, we don't know what wow. Bart Starr threw down the field, but we're going to guess that that – the one from Josh Allen. Was, I'm sure was we could go to uh, the TJ Watt. Mount Laurel and take out the real to reels <laughs> and I don't know. I'm being yelled at. Mike talk. Did, did they have the little dots moving on the screen? And I'm sure they didn't in Bart Starr's era. TJ Watt, we got to go. That's what they're telling me. TJ Watt, um, yeah, I, I know he's confident. He talked in a radio interview about how it's trending that way, that he's going to return for the first time since week two following that pectoral injury. Uh, Mike Tomlin not quite committing to it, but the Steelers releasing an outside linebacker yesterday. Where everybody said, oh, it's probably an indication that they're confident that Watt is going to be back and going to need that roster spot. So that appears to be the way it's trending, but we'll give you a final word when we get it. Yeah, and good news for the Indianapolis Colts today during their practice. Jonathan Taylor, their star running back, who's been in and out of the lineup this year and clearly not himself dealing with an ankle injury, took last week off with the hopes that when he played, he would be full strength for Frank Reich's team and try to lead that offense. Well, he comes back, Frank Reich is gone. Everything went completely haywire, including Jeff Saturday being their interim coach. Anyway, good news, Jonathan Taylor is back. Perhaps he is, that perhaps that's a sign that he plays on Sunday. All right, so good news there. It's my fault. Certainly. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Collette's yelling at us. We're short yep. on time. All right, bye, guys. Yeah. Control room hates me. Sorry. They don't like us. We don't like them. Okay, boys, here we go. Let's go to work. Go to work. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. You can't knock this kid off his feet. Ken Walker scores his second touchdown. It's going to be on us. It's a fumble football. Recovered by the Buccaneers. Oh! Gino going to throw again. Got a man in the corner. Touchdown, Seahawks. Woo! They're going to chase the blitz down the middle. Touchdown. DK Metcalf! Have a good job, young man. Tyler Lockett was not going to let this one get away. That's the dagger, my friend. Bucks win by the cannons. Now they go to Germany. Football made in Germany. Let's go! Yeah, let's go to Munich. That's where the Seahawks and the Buccaneers are going to be. There are three games in the Week 10 schedule 
where both teams would be in the playoffs if they were to start right now. They do not. This is one of them. It's the three seed visiting the seven seed. Neither team has yet arrived in Munich. However, the weather ahead of the Seahawks, it's Seahawk weather right now. It's raining at roughly 7.20 local time. Hi there, Sarah Walsh. Great to have you on. What are the Seahawks saying about their quarterback, Geno Smith, who does deserve some marquee attention here ahead of this one? Yeah, Geno Smith comes here to Munich with a lot of excitement, with a lot of momentum. And according to his offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, the great ability to respond. And he said, really, we've seen that throughout the course of the season. But I think it's brought to light this week after he threw that pick six. And then he had those three great touchdown drives to lead Seattle to victory. Waldron says he's been doing that all season long. And I was able to talk to his tight end, Will Disley, and he said he's really just been so selfless. And that is really an indictment on this entire team. Their other tight end, Noah Fant, talked about it today. And he was asked what goes unnoticed about this Seahawks team. And he said what's really unnoticed is their camaraderie. And you go, okay, well, how do you measure that? And he says, well, here's how you measure it. This team, when they make a mistake, it actually brings them closer together. He says you know where they want you on the field. He understands what Gino likes, where he wants him to be. And he said that that really has made all the difference. And then I think another thing that's important to note is this is a Seattle team that has had some really good rookie performances. This rookie class for the Seahawks has been incredible. And, you know, at times it's their running back, their rookie running back, Kenneth Walker, starring. But Fant told us that they have an offense predicated on spreading the ball around. The pressure is not on any one guy. So that pressure isn't exactly on Gino, although Gino has been carrying a lot of the load and certainly carrying a lot of the headlines coming into Munich here, Andrew. I said this is one of the three games this week, Sarah, where both teams would be in the playoffs right now. It is the first international series game where both teams will enter leading their respective divisions. Let's emphasize that with the Buccaneers because there's been a lot of negatives about them, certainly. They still do lead their division. What's Tom Brady saying? What are they saying about some of the positives that they could highlight? Okay, so one of the things is, first of all, how many teams in this league would trade places and love to be leading their division no matter the record, right? That's how the Buccaneers are trying to look at things. They feel like they are still very much in control, and then I think they feel like the offense will catch up. They just have to hang in there. But let me give you one positive stat. For all the things this offense hasn't done, we know they haven't been able to run the football. They haven't been scoring points the way that they did a season ago. Tom Brady has done a tremendous job taking care of the football. Ten touchdowns to just one interception that is the best ratio in the league when it comes to that so he doesn't give a lot away now this is a Seattle team that defense didn't start strong but the Seahawks have been coming on strong as of lately since week six they're allowing teams to just score 16 and a half points per game against them and the Seahawks have 15 takeaways that is tied for fourth best in the league so it'll be interesting to see if they're able to take advantage of a Tom Brady who's been very stingy when it comes to giving that football away Andrew. This is quite a game here, though. Rain's going to go away, I promise. Sarah Walsh, though, with the prop, with the umbrella, not just a prop, actually holding the rain down. Thank you, it's Sarah. It's not just a prop, it's Andrew. It's not just a prop. I know that. <laughs> yeah. no. We can see other people with umbrellas behind you. No, no. Well done. Sarah Walsh, thank you. Live in Munich, Seahawks and Buccaneers, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time coming up on Sunday. NFL Network streaming and NFL Plus.
All right, that'll be the second game of week number 10. The very first game is coming up tomorrow, 7 p.m. Eastern Time Prime video. It's the Atlanta Falcons. It's the Carolina Panthers. I am not one for passer rating, not my favorite metric, but I do know that 0.0 is bad. That's what P.J. Walker had last week before getting benched at halftime, but he is starting again tomorrow. Feel good, you know. Uh... Just to see that he trusts me, you know, he got, got a lot of faith in me to go out there and play um, and get the job done on, on Thursday. Um, at the end of the day, we all are here trying to win, and, um, you know, that's that's the mindset for the team. It's going to be a lot of guys hyped up and uh, on both sides of the ball. So we just, I'm looking forward to it. I think we played them a couple years ago uh, on a Thursday night. So the energy going to be there, and uh, we just got to go out there and take advantage of it and have fun. More importantly, Steve White played him a couple of weeks ago, and uh, if not for the penalty on on DJ Moore, probably PJ Walker got that win. The flip side of that is what the Falcons have been doing offensively here. Yeah. You know they're going to run the ball, and they still run the ball effectively. And a rookie is a big part of that. Yeah, look, we talked about this guy in preseason, Tyler Algier, the rookie running back out of Brigham Young. And the Falcons used a three-person running back rotation, right, with Cordero Patterson, Algier. Um, I don't know why I'm blanking on oh, Caleb Huntley, 42, the big sledgehammer at the goal line. But Algier is someone who's emerged as a dual run and receiving threat. And that's your traditional third down type of back because of the physicality that he plays with. But again, great yards after catch guy. You see him here punishing tacklers, square shoulders, finishes runs like all the running backs do by snapping heads back. Right, but this is somebody as the as the Falcons go along here, especially in this game against Carolina, where he had a pretty good game a couple weeks ago. Somebody who again can take some of the pressure off of Cordero Patterson, take some of the pressure off of Marcus Mariota, who still is not throwing the ball well enough completing passes at a, at a proper rate for Atlanta to continue to win. But Algier is a guy to continue to keep your eye on because he's starting to understand what they're doing in this run game. And again, his versatility as a receiver and a running back, something that can kind of push them through if this offense keeps running the ball the way they do. I think it's also big that Cordero Patterson came back last week for the first time since week four, and yet Tyler Algier was still a huge part of the game plan, and he had 99 yards rushing. We'll see more of him coming up. Thank you, Steve. Tomorrow as we open up week 10 in Carolina. This is your headliner Sunday afternoon. The Vikings, the Bills, and the Vikings angle next. Nothing can stop me. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, Josh Allen's not going to practice today. There is your number one headline around the National Football League on the Wednesday before we open up Week 10. Sean McDermott would not say much more other than that. Said he's day-to-day. Well, like, what's the diagnosis? Wouldn't say. What's the prognosis? Wouldn't say. Josh Allen not practicing ahead of the game of the week on Sunday afternoon, a would-be Super Bowl preview between the Bills and Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, who have won six consecutive games. Cousins isn't exactly lighting it up, but he's doing enough to win every single week. Yeah, 7-1 and one team. They've only lost one game, and, and that was to the Eagles earlier in the year. Good football team. Um, they do a great job taking the football away, and, and uh, I believe they're well coached. I know their coaching staff is new, but I have a lot of respect for 
for Coach and what he's done there. Um, we've got to make sure that um, you know we're spreading the ball around and everyone's involved. And I think when you have that, you're a little bit harder to defend and and uh, you know, people stay stay engaged. And um, so it's all about just developing, continue to develop our roster, develop our football team, and in this case, the offense. That's Sean McDermott earlier today answering one of the few questions in his press availability that was not directly related to Josh Allen or his elbow, Judy Batista, Mike Giardi. We're all watching said press conference and understanding, Judy, that everything changes for the number one offense in football if Josh Allen is not out there in case Keenum is. From a Bills perspective, though, what is the key on that side of the ball this week for them? Well, one of the keys, no matter who is out there, is they got to do a better job of taking care of the football. You just heard Sean McDermott say that the Vikings are really good at taking the ball away. They're fifth in forcing turnovers. Here's the problem for the Bills. They're 28th in turnovers. They are number one in the league in offensive drives that are ended by turnovers. 14 turnovers in all. In all. Eight of those are Josh Allen interceptions. It really has not been fatal until they got to the Jets game last week. They had been loose with the ball against Green Bay, but they escaped against the Jets. No such luck. One of the the interceptions was in the red zone. Another interception led to a Jets touchdown. And if you remember, uh, there was a strip sack. They recovered that ball, but it led to a long loss that really doomed that final drive for the Bills. So it caught up to them in that game. They've got to clean this up. Again, hasn't been fatal, may not be fatal against most opponents. But when the Bills play a top-level opponent, and they're going to get one of those in the Vikings this week, those kinds of things can catch up with them, and certainly, guys, as they progress towards the playoffs. They also play a similar offensive system here this week with the Vikings. Kevin O'Connell, wide zone, coming from Sean McVay, Mike LaFleur, Mike Giardi, same thing last week. Uh, last week it worked 174 yards on the ground against the Bills. Yeah, and to me, Andrew, the big thing, the telling thing was the eight carries on the final drive in a row from the shadow of their own goalpost for the Jets, driving the ball down the field. They said, we're going to run the same play at you. I think Baldy did it on his Twitter, kept going at him, kept going at him, and they couldn't stop it. And look, Leslie Frazier talked yesterday, and he said, hey, guys, it's pretty simple. We just got to get groupings and personnel to gaps. We have to tackle better. But we were good at this for six weeks. We've had a downturn the last two against the Packers and the Jets. And when you look at the Packers game, you said, well, look, they built up this huge lead, and the Packers just kept turning around and handing the ball off to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, as Von Miller said, Go right ahead. You're chewing up the clock. We don't really care. We've got a 17-point lead. But in the Jets game, sort of that came to roost, and it was more damaging to them. I look at the interior of their guys. You know, Naquin Jones, um, uh, excuse me, yeah, Naquin Jones, Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips, those are the guys that have to stand up against the run, and we're doing a great job early in the year. They had a hard time in that Jets game in particular. They have to be tighter. They have to be better. But they, they have the personnel. This is looks like those, one of those little slumps that you go through. You get their attention now, and we'll see how it works against Minnesota. Tim Settle, a guest, of course, last week on NFL Now. Hopefully that was not like a jinx. Regardless, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Judy. Nick Shook is not going to touch this one on his list of underdogs. Maybe because, of course, Nick's with us every week here. Hi, Nick. Does him on NFL.com. We have all kinds of questions here about the quarterbacks. But we can start with the game in Germany, where DraftKings has Geno Smith and the Seahawks as two-and-a-half-point underdogs. What do you like about Geno and the Hawks in this one? Well, eventually, folks are going to look at the Seahawks and take them seriously. I mean, they lead the division. They're 6-3. and three, But they are going against a quarterback in Tom Brady, who is 
undefeated in international games. He's 3-0, but that last game was way back in 2017. Also undefeated in, in international games, Pete Carroll, 2-0 in his career with the Seahawks. And also a favorite for, well, maybe not a favorite, but a dark horse candidate for coach of the year. Big reason why, Geno Smith, of course. He's balling. He, he might be the comeback player of the year, if not a dark horse candidate for the MVP. He leads the league in comp- completion percentage. He's got a 107.2 passer rating. I know you're not that fond of it, uh, Andrew, the passer rating metric, but he's playing very well, and he leads the league with nine deep passing touchdowns according to next-gen stats. So, look, I don't know when people are going to finally take them seriously. It should have been weeks ago. I take them seriously, and I think they have a very good chance in this game. For the record, I, I don't mind passer rating. I just The next time I'm in a bar and I hear a fan say, man, only if we could get a quarterback with a passer rating above 80, I, I, think, I think we'd be okay. <laughs> man, did you see his passer rating? It just never has happened. I digress, regardless. Um, every now and then, Nick, you have one of these schedule anomalies where the Saints, let's take the Saints this week, they're, they're, they're on a short week, right? They played Monday night, and they're facing a team on the road in the Steelers, and the Steelers are the underdog here, according to DraftKings, that's coming off a of bye. Is that why you like the Steelers? That's part of a reason why, because the Steelers, they're a team that's playing with a rookie quarterback that could use the extra week of prep. They could use the week off. They could also use the week to figure out how their offense is going to look without Chase Claypool. It's going to include George Pickens, I think, a lot more, which will be good for Pickett to Pickens, that connection. And the last time the Steelers faced a struggling NFC South team with a rough offense like the Saints are right now, like we saw in Monday Night Football, they won. That was a game against the Buccaneers, a 20-18 victory. I really like their chances in this game. Not just because of that, but also because I don't have much confidence in the Saints, who continue to ride with Andy Dalton and struggle with the football in their hands. Their last touchdown last week, the only reason they scored was because the Ravens didn't play through the whistle. So they got to be better on that side of the ball. I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel for them. So Steelers, I think they got a shot. All right, a lot of people don't have faith right now in the Rams. DraftKings, however, has them as three-point favorites over the visiting Cardinals in this building right here over my right shoulder coming up on Sunday. The Cardinals won here last year. You like the Cardinals, don't you? Well, they lost this meeting in Arizona earlier this season, but this is a tale of two teams right now with similar problems. One quarterback and one primary playmaker. For the Rams, it's Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, who is their entire offense. And for the Cardinals, it's been Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins since he's been back. But there is a little bit of hope with the Cardinals because last week, Rondale Moore got twice as many targets as DeAndre Hopkins did in that game. Now, they lost that game, of course, but they have more options. And Kyler Murray, he's a wild card that could produce uh, some success offensively. They just have more of a room for improvement than the Rams do right now. I don't have a lot of confidence in them at all. And the Cardinals, even on the road, this is one of those situations where I think they might be able to score the upset. All right, let's get to the Browns. For those who don't know, Nick is joining us live right now from Cleveland. DraftKings has the Browns as underdogs, three-and-a-half-point underdogs to Mike McDaniel's Dolphins. McDaniel said today that the Browns are no joke. They can beat anyone in the NFL. You can't say that about everybody. We are not sleeping on the Browns, and neither are you. No, I'm not. Uh, I think this is a game that the Browns control on the ground with Nick Chubb against the 16th-ranked rushing defense. And the Browns' defense is playing better in the last few weeks. Against this offense a month ago, I would have said no chance the Browns win this game, but they contained the Baltimore Ravens, and they shut down the Bengals on Monday Night Football. I I like the way that they're kind of coming around. Joe Woods getting that group together a lot like he did last season. And again, Nick Chubb, he's the power of this offense. I think he could take advantage of this Dolphins defense. NFL.com slash underdogs, not D-A-W-G-S like the dogs in Cleveland. He's talking about the D-O-G-S. Nick Shook, thank you, as always, sir, who's with us every Wednesday with his picks. Coming up next, we go deeper with the numbers. A PFF deep dive on Justin Fields and Tua Tungavailoa straight ahead. Win, 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 win. Yeah. 
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. There are no moral victories in the National Football League. This one did feel a little bit different, though, for the Bears on Sunday. And I could tell from my friends who are Bears fans. Hi, Mike Renner from PFF. On Monday, that what Justin Fields has done the last couple of weeks, specifically last Sunday, gives them this, this hope that maybe they didn't have a month ago. What do the numbers tell us? Are you on the Justin Fields hype train? I 100% am on the Justin Fields hype train. I think we are seeing a different quarterback than we saw early in the season. And I think we're going to continue to see that because of one big thing. They're finally, finally doing what everyone was asking for and utilizing his legs as a rushing threat in this offense. He had not had more than five design carries in his career before three weeks ago. Over the last three weeks, he's had 22. Set a record of 12 a few weeks ago design carries and that's game that's changing this offense changing the way defenses have to play them and changing the coverage looks that he's seeing so it's helping him as a passer and helping that offense as a runner because it's presents so many threats to that defense and i think it's for real you can complain about is it sustainable can he keep going like this as a runner i don't really care if it's sustainable bears fans probably don't care if it's sustainable either they'll take it any way they can get success in the quarterback position i thought mike mcdaniel said something interesting today when asked about Tua and people doubting him and he sarcastically said because everything is sarcastic go ahead like give him more fodder doubt him doubt him even more what do the numbers tell us about Tua and this offense and why it has worked so well this year yeah it's kind of the perfect confluence of scheme talent and then Tua just being deadly accurate uh, the numbers say on throws 10 plus yards downfield he has the highest on target percentage of throws and the lowest off target uncatchable off target percentage of throws basically he's hitting everything and the timing is the biggest thing in this offense you saw when he was out that Teddy Bridgewater, Skylar Thompson, were not operating it nearly at the same high level because they're not hitting those in-rhythm throws. Tua Tungvalu is doing that. And oh, by the way, he has the best receiver in football on the other side of those. And it helps when you have that guy in Tyreek Hill and that guy in Jalen Waddle, where if you double one, you go to the other, one of them's going to be open. I thought Kevin Stefanski said something fascinating within the last hour, and it's the Dolphins and the Browns this week. He said that the way they're using Hill in motion, it's almost as if it's the CFL. Not suggesting they're doing anything illegal where he's moving forward at the snap, but that it's, it, Hill has so much speed, and obviously he's almost, almost always in motion, that it makes it that much more difficult to defend. He, he compared it to the CFL. All right, let's get to the Jets and the rookie sauce Gardner. Um, he obviously had the pass break up on that final 70-yard heave downfield to seal the victory over the Bills this past week. He had a pick as well of Josh Allen. He has been everything as advertised. He really has. I was high on Sauce Gardner coming out, but I don't care how high you were. I don't think anyone saw this coming. Truly a number one type of cornerback already as a rookie, only allowing 21 yards per game. And they're doing things with him, like putting him on opposing number one receivers on third down, tilting the safety away from him so that he is in true one-on-one -on -one situations with no safety help that you don't do for veteran corners who are elite at the position in the NFL. Some defense corners are still too worried about that. 
they're doing that. Robert Sala is for a rookie there. So yeah, Sauce Gardner, pretty special. Probably your favorite for rookie of the year right now. Mike Renner from the It's Just Football podcast and Pro Football Focus lead draft analyst. Always great to have you on, Mike. Thank you, sir. If you're looking at a calendar, February 13th was Super Bowl 56. That's the day Odell Beckham Jr. tore NACL. He's not ready yet, but he's getting close, which leads us to Dallas. Jerry Jones on the radio yesterday was asked if he wanted Odell. And he said, eh, I, I think the star would look good on the side of his helmet. Mm-hmm. Of course it would. This one makes a lot of sense. Let's go live to the star. Oh, by the way, in Frisco, Texas, they call it the star. Jane Slater, is this real? You know, Andrew, in talking to a couple of my team sources, it's very real. And typically, I know Cowboys fans hate that I wet blanket a lot of these free agent chases of the Dallas Cowboys. But here is why the Cowboys are considering it. Remember, it was Amari Cooper that essentially changed the trajectory of their offense, but they had to give up a first-round pick for him. In this case, because OBJ is a free agent, they just have to come up with the money that makes sense. Now, as it was described to me, it's hard to say what his market looks like right now, and that's because no team in the league, as he's coming back uh, from that injury to his ACL, has been able to assess him at their facilities or get their medical staff and their hands on this. In other words, this is his second ACL injury on his left knee, and he's 30 years old. But you heard Jerry Jones talking about his respect for him, his excitement about what he looked like with the star on his helmet. I've caught up with OBJ in the past about the prospect of coming to Dallas. He loved the fact there was no state income tax. And our guy Michael Irvin seems to be very bullish on that, talking about the fact today, he was on 105 Through the Fan, saying that it sounded like the Cowboys have the upper hand on him. Now, here's what I would say. The Cowboys are clearly looking for some help in their wide receiver room. It has felt a little bit like it's by committee. They've been waiting for Michael Gallup to sort of catch on after his injury. We've seen a little inconsistency uh, from CeeDee Lamb, but they did try in good faith, I'm told, to go after Brandon Cooks. The issue there was it was simply going to cost them too many draft picks and a big guaranteed number. It's all about making sure the money makes sense, but draft picks around here are critical. If you look at a lot of the players they've got on this team, they've built this organization and this roster through the draft, and they've certainly used a lot of those young guys uh, here in recent years. So we'll see how this shakes out, but I can tell you, this one looks like something the Cowboys could be very all in on. I think it makes a lot of sense here from, from a lot of different angles. The question is, when is he actually going to be ready to not just get on the field, but be good again and really be a game changer on the field? This Sunday is exactly nine months to the day from the Super Bowl and the injury. More importantly, this Sunday is also Mike McCarthy's return to Lambeau. He faces a Packers team that has lost five in a row. What are they saying there about what they're expecting from this Green Bay team? Well, Mike McCarthy did get a little emotional this weekend. I thought we saw a lot of emotion from even Aaron Rodgers talking about this on the Pat McAfee show. Both these guys looking uh, to sort of hug it out after what seemed like an acrimonious relationship as Mike McCarthy, of course, no longer was with the Packers. But time typically does heal all wounds. When we looked at the schedule, this looked like a doozy for the Cowboys, even without Aaron Rodgers having Devontae Adams. I mean, we're talking about a four-time MVP player here. But as you just mentioned, they are a 3-6 and six team. They've lost their last five. Now, I would never count Aaron Rodgers out, but he doesn't have a lot of weapons right now. This offense is averaging about 17 points a game. And by the way, he's also not getting any favors from his offensive line. Sacked 18 times this season. He's going to square up against Dan Quinn's defense that's sacked 
Uh, teams at a rate of 33 this season. That's lead league, uh, league leading. I struggled with that in the last hour, Andrew. <laughs> uh, but this is going to be an interesting test for them. We're not talking about snow in Lambeau. We're talking about 37-degree weather. And the last time we traveled up, there was a huge game for Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott also getting back at least two weapons on offense this week. His wide receiver, Noah Brown. And it looks like Ezekiel Elliott is trending in the direction to play on Sunday. If you listen to Jerry Jones this week on 105.3 The Fan, albeit we'll see if he was out there at practice today. It sounds like if he does play on Sunday, he'll be wearing a brace. League leading. I have trouble with it sometimes as well. Yeah. I also have trouble Blech. with Nick Shook. But I got it right earlier last hour. So there's a win. Thanks Thank for you. helping me out, Andrew. And Slater. Absolutely. NFL Now is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.